guys, welcome to the Paddler's Playbook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Podcast Land. Thermal convection, man. These dudes almost killed me. You know, redfish are really dumb. How do you take your marsh dump? This fool used all my toilet paper. Bro, bye. Well, now that Drew's done dragging this on. TPP 15. You gonna get a dozen shrimp? Hey, you throwing that cast net again this weekend? Oh, good lord. I almost died. I do not want to paddle that far. Once again, he almost died. <laughs> I'm not waking up at the butt crack of dawn. I'll see you at the launch around noon. I love wake baits. Haven't you ever heard them chatter? Let me double back here. And now, a word from Saltside Jess. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the paddle. Check out our Welcome, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land. I'm your host, Drew Turner. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Lewis. And we are live from the Bait Butler Studio. Y'all hear that jam? Did y'all hear that jam? (laughs) If you guys are Texas kayak fishing aficionados, you will know why Chris was singing that song slow Right. Well, it was our intro. It was our intro to this this uh, show, man. Yeah, but the intros never have. Uh, just always the instrumental. Do you oh, listen to the show? By the way, do you listen to the show? No, I'm I'm serious. I'm serious. After every, we do the yeah, show, every do you listen one, to it? Sometimes twice. I listen to it when we edit the show, so I kind of get. But you listen to it idea. in 400 speed. I listen to it in chipmunk speed, so it's pretty. It's it's. It's, it's like you're fast forwarding porno. Why would you fast forward porno? <laughs> who fa- who who makes that analogy? But uh, what kind of porno are you watching where it's like chipmunks? What what are you into, Chris? Jesus Christ! Oh, Obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about. Next subject. <laughs> I don't know where to go from chipmunk porno. I've never I've never had a transition from chipmunk porno to fishing. Ever at so, all. So if you're a Texas kayak fishing aficionado. Aficionado. <laughs> then you know why Chris was singing that song. And you'll know a little bit about our guest that is coming on. He had a feature role in our, our good friend Ben Maldonado's little short film about Texas kayak fishing form. Fisherman, fisherman, Texas kayak fisherman. Yeah, just TKF in general. Yeah, that yeah, was his TKF, his, the original, the, the rise of of TKF. Yeah, and and one of the things that we wanted to talk to Dean about, which I don't think that we really were able to touch on the specifics, but basically the rise of kayak fishing in Texas, and then also like I really wanted to know if he ever thought that it was just going to be a fad, and I never did get to ask him that question and i'll tell you why because the dude is like he's almost like speaking with clint in a way he's he, got this he's got this like down man he he has a whole whole lot of knowledge he's got a whole lot of knowledge up there um we talk about the the old days of tkf some of like how the forum started but but it's not just a dive into uh, nostalgia with the forums and everything. It's also a conversation about fishing clear water from a kayak. Um, 
we get into a little conversation about different kayak layouts. He's kind of a pure paddler. Well, not kind of a pure paddler. He is a pure paddler um, when he is on the kayak. So he talks about the advantages of having a paddling kayak uh, compared to having something like a PA or an Outback or, or things like that. I mean, we didn't go, we don't get too, too technical into comparisons there. Um, talks about just the struggle, I won't say the struggle, about figuring it out as a fisherman. When, when does it happen? Uh, when do you feel confident that you have something figured out? Um, it was a very fun, very organic. Me and Chris, we didn't prepare any questions for this episode because we knew this was going to be, let's just let Dean roll. Let, let, let's let him talk. Yeah. Let's just let him roll and let's see where it goes. It was kind of like just kicking back and having a conversation and uh, listen to see, li- listening to what the man had to say. Yeah, it, it was. And like I said, we got some good stories. Um, we got some good fishing info. We talked about kayaks. I think really, Chris, if you take everything that we've talked about, this is episode 46. I think we talked, you could pick a little bit out of each of these episodes, or you could take a little bit of each of these little topics that we hit on and you could throw it in another episode. It was, it was, it was where kind of a hodgepodge. It, it was Milk Crate Confessions. Dean Thomas is what we should call this episode. Indeed. It was just kind of everything. Everything that he wanted to talk about, uh, everything that we wanted to talk about, really. We're already planning a second one. We are, um, and I believe he wanted to talk about redfish on the grass flats. So redfish on the grass flats, yeah. How and, to target them? How to how to uh, um, what to do whenever you you finally get into them, and and uh, how to get a hold of him whenever you want to have a full day. Of nothing but redfish on the grass flats. While crab walking. If you don't know what crab walking is, you better stay tuned for the rest of this episode so you can figure out what crab walking is. I hate crab walking. I hate crabs. Well, you shouldn't have been dating that one girl that one time. I'm going to end it back there about crab walking, <laughs> and we're going to start with the commercials. <laughs> Hey bro staff, it's August and tournament season is in full swing and you're fully outfitted for all your fishing needs. But what are you doing to make sure that your gear stays in peak condition? Make sure you have the tools on hand and the equipment you need to keep all your gear working for you. Made by one of the most revered fishing brands in the world. Real grease, maintenance kits, real covers, and accessories to help you stay out there when the fish are on so you don't lose a single second when that bite is on fire. All these tools are expertly manufactured by Abu Garcia to help you chase your passion without worrying about breakdown. So head over to purefishing.com, find the Abu Garcia tab, and order all your maintenance accessories before the worst happens. And since we're bringing up worst case scenarios, you can't get out there and crush the competition if you're standing on the shoreline. And kayaks are looking scarce, my friends. 
That's why you need to head on over to ACK while their limited restock lasts. Or log on to austinkayak.com and click on the kayak restock. Don't get stuck on the shore. Let the folks at ACK put you where the money's at. And while some things may be in short supply this season, I'll give you one thing that's not. Style. Yes, Bro Staff Real Sportswear has opened the floodgates on new designs for you to look amazing while holding those fat tournament checks. With items like the new Conroe Henley or Uprivers, you'll be standing in the winner's circle photo ready. So head on over to realsportswear.com and look like a million bucks this season. All right, Bro Staff, that's it for me. As always, this is Salt Side Jess saying, play fair, kids. And I'll see you on the salt side. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Salt Side Jess giving us all the juicy deets about real sportswear. And I know they've got some crazy stuff coming up. ACK, who's just still trying to rock it just as hard as they possibly can. Um, and all of our guys over there, Pure Fishing, Abu Garcia, Berkeley, you name it. They're out there, and they're rocking it for you guys. Hey, look, we've got a very special episode. Hold on, Chris. Did you just say deets? Is that yeah, like man. some new slang? Is that like sus and no the, cap and deets all has this been, stuff? Yo, no, deets has been around since the 411. D- oh, Lord. That's a long yeah. time ago, though. Yeah, I tried, to say, I tried to say 411 one time to my daughter, and she was like, what the hell are you talking? Is that the number dad. you're supposed to call when you're digging in the yard, Dad? Is that what the 411 is? I saw it on an infomercial one time. I'm a, a, a Wesley started seventh grade this year, so he's in junior high. So I'm learning all kinds of new slang words. So maybe, oh yeah, maybe maybe I'll throw them into uh, the next episode. Oh, you but should. We go should ahead. Have Sorry to interrupt. Button. Sorry hey. to interrupt. Give us the deets on this guest we got coming up. <laughs> So, ladies and gentlemen, this guy is, uh, and as far as I know, okay, I don't think he has ever left the Texas coast. I'm pretty sure he's just um, building his legacy, um, and and it's it's epic, guys. It's epic, and um, it's going to go down in history as being probably one of the most epic kayak anglers of the Texas coast. I can tell you right now, um, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome. From Port Aransas, right? Or Aransas, Aransas Pass. Pass, technically. Aransas Pass. Yeah. I can never, t- I can never remember which one is which. Um, I mean, you can see Port Aransas from here. There you go. And they, and they can see me. So, <laughs> so if you don't know who it is yet, ladies and gentlemen, welcome our good pal, Mr. Slow Ride himself, Dean Thomas. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you very much for the um, the kind introduction. I've been fortunate enough to be here in the same place. This is my 19th year in the same location, downtown Aransas Pass, guiding fishing trips, renting kayaks. Yeah, yeah, and it's just cool to be here. We're going to talk about the evolution of that a little bit this evening. Can't, can't wait because that is, you know, D- Drew said, hey, what do we want to talk to Dean about? And I'm like, look, bro, I, I, what did I say? I had one sentence. I said, the the rise and demise of uh paddle paddle <laughs> paddle, paddle kayaks paddle kayaks yeah <laughs> the rise yeah. and demise of paddle kayaks um, now, now, dean i would be remiss if i didn't ask man 
Do you hate kayak? I mean, you hate kayaks. Do you hate Facebook as much as Chris hates Facebook? Because there was a thread that got started a few days ago that it was just like 300 people commenting all kinds. I don't know if we want to get into that just yet. It was the kayak gang gang. Just in general, you know, social media, choose your outlet. You know, they're all the same. Um, Certain things hit a nerve. Uh, today in this day and age, it's it's different, man. People take things out of context. It's impersonal. If you don't know each other and you don't sense the vibe they're giving you, it comes off a little sketchy sometimes. And There's no sarcasm font. No, nah, there's nah, no sar. Nah. And people don't and, get and, it. People and the don't retaliation get it. is crazy. You know, um, <laughs> I was raised. You know, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say nothing. But that's kind of uh, a thing of the past, especially with the social media. But um, honestly, TKF, I have a crazy long history there. But there's a a whole other generation behind me. Uh, Just in this past year, I was at the Houston Fishing Show, and I'm walking through there. And one of the guys is like, slow ride, OG, OG, what's up? And I'm like, damn, I'm the old freaking guy now. I was like, it just made it like real all of a sudden and so i've been reflecting a lot about the history you know we did a documentary on the history of tkf ben maldonado came down and did that it was badass so been telling stories and kind of you know reflecting on the evolution of kayak fishing oh, hold, hold on my, hold bu- on. my business here and dean, yeah all those things dean, dean we can't say cuss words on here man oh which one did i use already I'm just, I'm just kidding with you. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. I was talking about I was talking about the fuckery of redfish tournaments the other <laughs> yeah. day. You're all good. You can cuss. Hey, so so you know you you. It's funny you mentioned that um, that documentary with, that you did with Ben Maldonado because I was thinking about that earlier about how you're kind of wrapped up in this this group of kayakers and I, we spoke about this with um, Jim Salmons whenever Jim was on the show. You're in this group of kayakers that kind of pioneered the way. And one day, Corey Ruth posted up on Facebook and he was like, you know, the OGs of, of the kayak world. And, you, you know, your name was was mentioned. So was uh, uh, Luther and uh, Jim and uh, Scott and, you know, all these people. And I'm like, damn. Y'all, y'all are the original gangsters. And he said, no, the old guys. And I was like, well, hold up, hold up, man. Hold up. I, you and I are the same age, bro. <laughs> I'm not an old guy yet. Some days to be. it makes you wonder, though. It makes you feel old. Um, and it is interesting to think about um, those group of guys. And I, I've, I've realized how courageous what we did back then was now that i'm getting older and i realize what a physically demanding sport it is and how much energy um it takes to do that at the age that i'm at now you know when i started this game 20 years ago being able to do those you know day and night um loading the trailer packing them and then being out there uh the next morning that has really changed, man. The ability to do that has changed. And then all of the new guys that are coming up below me, there's a whole generation of 20-something-year-olds that are evolving kayaks, evolving gear, 
You know, it never ends. The conversation I started the other day was in total good humor, but it was a perfect example of the evolution of kayaks. The thing that they were loading in the water had a motor, pedals, a trailer. I mean, you literally could not carry that kayak. Two people could not carry it. I mean, you just can't. So at some point, because of the era that I came up in in kayak fishing, where terms that were so important were rocker and weight and all of the technical paddling terms that people were concerned with and really high quality carbon fiber paddles. You know, now you throw the paddle out the window. Who needs a damn paddle when you got a motor on the boat? So to call that thing a kayak and you don't even have a paddle, uh, don't even get me started on that conversation. That's a whole, <laughs> that one will go to 600 comments a <laughs> before it, before it burns down. It's to me, I'm on your side. It is a personal watercraft, is what that is. You and I don't disrespect those people for doing what they do, but there's just, you know, I, I think there's a difference between um, what they do. But there is also a hypersensitivity level when you start telling these people oh, that it's not a kayak. I don't get, you know, where. <laughs> the uh, hypersensitivity of and you know in all honesty whenever i posted that thing up on there you know um, we were sitting there in the room and as soon as i hit post i said let's see where this goes you knew it was gonna start you knew it was gonna <laughs> start some fire shit. i knew it. you knew, I it knew was what start i started the whole time those, I knew what those, was happening. those 20 somethings which happen to be the the demographic of the majority of the demographic that listens to this show of this podcast um, yeah <laughs> oh, of, of, well, no it's okay well. But oh, they, just, they just listen to pod. They listen to podcasts in general. Twenty-five okay? to thirty-nine is our big demo. So, but those those guys are also the guys that probably have never heard of TKF the forum, and so the only thing they know of is TKF the Facebook page, and yeah. like Drew likes to say, the fuckery that goes on on TKF the Facebook page is. It's different. It's different. But that was the product of the era when the beginning. <clears throat> I mean, I can name the 10 or 12 original TKFers that were on there. And I would love to continue the documentary and continue the story. I mean, um, uh, I, it, should, it should be written somewhere because there were other guys that could have been included with that. But there's only so much space you could do. But the, the um, it was a family. So. Originally, TKF, for those people who don't know, I started as a complete joke. Here's, a t here's, a, here's one that m I guarantee you of only a few people know this story. When TKF got started and we were doing our little forum, as it grew, we had pretty much it was just um, Texas in general. And then we started getting like little groups were cliquish, had Aransas Pass, and then Galveston was certainly developing their own guys that were hardcore. And then... San Antonio a, has their own page. San Antonio, as a joke. So um, I was sitting on the porch, and I called this the Aransas Pass chapter of Texas Kayak Fishing. Total joke, zero legitimacy to the chapter idea, but it caught on like crazy. Everybody started calling their self their own chapter. They started having meetings. We had meetings on the porch. So it was like little family-oriented personal um, relationships where everybody knew each other. Now <laughs> it's exactly the opposite. 
but it's hard that, it's, it's tough, the way it man. started and it's kind of crazy because um dr bill harvey who was um fly uh, what was he um i don't even remember his original name on tkf um it'll come to me but um he even made the comment that we should put a um he wanted to put a globe up on top of my shop like a spinning earth and put tkf world headquarters um <laughs> on a little uh spinning globe up on the roof so that one uh we never followed up on it but we got a lot of damn good ideas while we were sitting there but many of them started as just good humor and the tkf you know it, it grew into all those things from uh, so, crazy little ideas drew we got we've got to be able to, to tell our listeners what tkf really is because you know we're sitting here talking about texas but you know the majority of our listeners aren't necessarily from texas we have guys that are out there in uh kansas city um chicago new orleans maine um just all over the world so if you don't know already if you haven't already picked it up tkf is the texas kayak fishermen's forum and tkf is is huge guys you think of texas and you think everything's bigger in texas well our forums are bigger too, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know how many members did that did that forum original forum grow to. I, I know the Facebook page has like over, I don't know, one hundred seventy five thousand members or something. Yeah, like that. Um, I, ten thousand plus somewhere in that range when it was just a message board, um, very archaic. Um, beginning of the internet kind of communications i mean it was Man. the first social media um i remember back in the early days there was no iphones i mean mm -hmm. we had we took a, a camera you remember the, the thing called a camera not your phone camera it was actually <laughs> a, a whole nother um, uh -huh. item that you went to the store and buy and so it had a little card in it and you put the card you went home to your pc you took this wicked picture from kayak fishing that day. You uploaded it to a server, to a hosting site. You couldn't even post it straight to it. Then you had to copy that link, go to the message board, and then and post the link. Back. Then people could click on it and go see your pictures. So that's, that's how it started, man. I mean, now, of course, instantaneous, boom, live. Man, you go live, sitting out there in your uh, boat, doing your thing. So... Um, yeah, yeah, that's amazing, the evolution. I like to remind people, you know, how much iPhones just in general revolutioned, my, revolutionized my job in general. Every day when I'm headed out, you have instant tide, instant radar, instant everything in the palm of your hand. Um, and so, yeah, um, I remember when the very first flip phone came out and I could see live radar. I, I knew my life had changed at that point for the, <laughs> but, for the but good. But from what, I, from what I hear, Dean, you don't even care about any of that except for whether or not the wind's blowing 15 or more. If it's blowing 15 or more, you're good to go. Exactly. That's the only way I know how to fish. When it quits blowing, I'm confused. We, just, <laughs> we don't live under those conditions. It's been relatively calm this week, too, um, which – I've been, we've been begging for some wind, you know. Oh, no, no, don't say that. Don't say that. I'm going to be but in see, your that's area the way next weekend. I'm going to be there next wind, weekend. When you want it, it won't blow. When you want it to stop, you, you know what's going to happen. That's just the nature of it. Oh, um, man. But part of the game. Um, 
today heat index was probably 108 you know at at 11 o'clock so it, it was time to uh to make some wind blow we drove around in the boat today just to uh, make the wind blow a little just, bit just for yeah yeah <laughs> i'll tell people uh, sometimes we're out on the boat i'm like okay look we got to get the air conditioning going <laughs> you get the oh, motor going oh. and, and haul ass yeah. for a little bit at the beginning of tough. this dean you said that you know you wish the story could continue from ben's uh documentary and actually whenever he sent it to me like he sent it to me before he posted it and he's like, let me know your honest critiques on, on the little short film. And the only thing I could say was, I was like, look, the only thing I got to say is, I wish it was longer. Like, I wanted more. Like, it made me want more and more info on, you know, those early, early days of TKF and everything that went on. Because Chris is right. You guys were... You guys were pioneers of what we're doing now. Hell, we had, you know, Jim Sammons on where he talked about developing kayaks. We had Scott Knoll on where we talked about the little knolls. Like, we're, we're calling them knolls now. So on the wilderness uh, ride where the little rod, rods sit there, those little indentions, those are, those are forever known as Scott Knolls on our show now. That's the knolls for the rods because he said that you guys – sat around and developed that oh, yeah. one day and actually got to sit there and carve it out. So when whenever Dean's talking, guys, and I'm more speaking to the listeners, these are the OGs, like the original guys that started the scene. Like they, they are the yeah. guys that, that be, began all of this for kayak fishing, yeah. what it is it's, it's amazing <clears throat> so i'm sitting here in my shop right now and on display in front of me is a 2007 model tarpon 160i that you know they quit making quite a few years ago amazing kayak yeah amazing kayak. ultra low profile ridiculously um fast and you know deals with the wind but compared to you know what you see today um, it's very different, but back in the day, um, and telling those stories, you know, just thinking about those people, um, got me started thinking, you know, and Ben in those little short clips was awesome. You know, it started the, the short stories, but there were so many times where we were driving across the country and people, um, you know, was, uh, not as, uh, personal as is now, but we had team members that, or uh, TKF people, or people from the website that supported us along the way. This was, you know, in like 2004 and five when I was still meeting those people and meeting them along the way. And so as we were going to these events and doing this stuff, that's where we learned different needs for the kayaks, different specialty items for fishing. Back then, there were only, there were only like, tarpons and rides and then the ocean oceans um, yeah yep and those things and of the prisms you know that are crazy to think of how um traditional the paddling kayaks were and what they um changed into but we were definitely learning and 
meeting people. The thing about it that came up in conversation, what the internet did was it connected all of these people with their ideas. Everybody had their little innovations, you know, whether it was home-built rudders, you know, back then it was a lot of home-built everything. DIY um, everything, yeah. Rudders and, you know, the rod holders, the crates, they didn't make any of bags, stuff. you know, um, innovations of the coolers that went inside the boats because there was none of those things at that time. And so, yeah, communication through the early days connected everybody together. Um, and yes, Corey Ruth from Virginia, the guys from Florida, too many names to remember. Um, the first dudes we met over there, um, the guys that were here, the way we had. Um, Oh, man, I don't even know where I'd start naming names. I miss all those days. <laughs> I wish we could get them in a room together again. And, you know, that way you you spur other people's memories. They start remembering stories um, from those days. Well, let, let's let's talk a little bit more about the the old days, the, the younger days of kayak. Let's call it the younger days Drew, of, Drew, whenever... of kayak fishing. Earlier, whenever I, I gave you that one-liner, um, you know what I was thinking of? You know, the rise of, of the kayak uh, paddling industry. Uh, um, first thing that came to mind was uh, Endless Summer. You ever uh, see that? Yeah. You ever see that flick? I, I have. Man, I bet you these guys had plenty and many of Endless Summer's kayak style. So the era of traveling to Florida and those guys coming over here was um, pretty much the endless kayak roadie. Um, there ain't no doubt. So through all of this, you know, I was still guiding 100%. And I would stay here, fish, fish, fish every single day. Um, and then you would pack it up in the truck, hit the road for a week. Um, take an awesome roadie to whatever destination in Florida. And so it, we would leave like seven days in advance to allow for traveling. We were going to places that we had never, ever seen before. And this was another thing. So this is the way that one worked. We got in the truck. We're driving across the country. We got our kayaks in the back of the truck. Me and Scott had like tarpon 140s, 160s that were we thought were tricked out man we thought we had everything you could screw on these kayaks but compared to today, today's standards it was just a starter kit but so as we're traveling across the country uh people were pulling up asking us all these questions about what we're doing and then um we would show up at these locations i mean we rented a hotel or just whatever we could find and then we would spend three days exploring but the only resources we had on the way were paper maps Shit you not, dude. We had like a road map. We didn't have like one of these little no, iPhones. No hooking lines. Was, no, was none of that. And, no, so, and so we would pull into the local tackle shop. You would go in there, buy a paper map, and you start talking to people. Hey, what's up? And that's how we met a lot of those folks along the way and met the coolest people um, you could imagine on the road trips as we were going there. Um, but we would go spend the week fishing we would fish the tournament day um we were always competitive i mean we always put a crazy effort in and we had results for a place that we had never visited before um but then we would roll home 
straight back to fishing. I mean, I had people standing here waiting on me, kayaking, and then we had the TKF celebrations that were never in. I still have the guest list. I have a spiral notebook from 2002, three, four, where every original TKFer that came to the party signed in their name and they put their TKF handle and their real name on there. So I have tons of memorabilia in here from, uh, from those parties. You know, I, I love mean, what he's... I mean, meetings, not, I mean, meetings, it's meetings, I... <laughs> not parties. They weren't parties for anybody. I love what he it. said about, um, you know, going to the Marina and getting, you know, the paper map and because back then that was our forum. That was our social forum was, uh, the boat ramps, the marinas, uh, the bait shops, you know, that's where we, we met our next fishing pal. Um, you know, it didn't happen in a chat room. Yeah. Not those dudes, um, those guys from Florida who still, we still keep in touch with. And it's crazy. 20 years later, we had kids that have grown up and gone to college and beyond from whenever we started this and, um, still keep in touch with them. And yeah, met, met them along the road, you know, on the way at some crazy little, um, roadside kayak launch. Um, I met some of the most interesting people in those places along the way, still friends with them. The guys from Florida, um, the guys from Florida, that was another interesting thing. You know, when we got there, the Florida kayaking scene was more evolved than us. They were already had <laughs> groups warring with each other. The guys in Tampa. <laughs> that's, that's your evolution was. Yeah. <laughs> See, we were still peace and love in with Texas. each other. No, we were still peace and love and family harmony style in Texas. But in Florida, they were already pretty well segmented. The um, Orlando guys. Oh, no, they they didn't mess around with Tampa. And, well, ta and, then, and then the dudes from the Everglades, you know, they just thought they were so cool that they didn't even have to uh, show up. That they man, were just. I I didn't know the early days of kayaking was like West Side Story, where you you had you had a rivaling <laughs> gang sitting there snapping their fingers Yo. at each other at the boat ramp, and cigarettes rolled up in their sleeves, like ready to go out. Texas, yeah. Texas makes yeah. it easy. You got lower coast, middle coast, upper coast. You go to yeah. Florida, and everybody's like, uh uh uh, we're the yeah. Emerald Coast. Uh uh yeah. uh, we're the Nature Coast. Uh uh uh, yeah. we're the Jersey Coast. I met you, that dude with his cigarettes in his sleeve too. <laughs> do you he guys was, still think it's like there. that a little bit though? Do you think I, I was just fixing to say that as I tell that story and then as I think of what happened just the other day, the more things change, the more they really do stay the same. The Same's names, true. the faces change a little bit. Some stay, some of course, you know, fade away over time. But uh, it's I don't know if you want to call it drama part of the entertainment part of the fun is um, messing with people. So fishing is full of egos. This is the conclusion I've come to over the years. If you want to, I don't know if you want to say success, you know, thrive in this business. If you want to thrive as an angler, as a fisherman, you have to have an ego problem. Ah, not even a problem, just a drive that 
the people you have to want to be better than the guy uh, across the it's, across it's from you at the marina. It's competitive. You, you want to catch have, more fish than them. You want to have, have a better fish. trip. Yeah. You want to have a better everything about it. So it's very ego driven. And so some stick with it, you know, that have, you know, more of that kind of drive and then others fade away over the years. But that ego creates a bit of drama and every boat ramp in my neighborhood even has its own soap opera, man. I mean, the Rockport, <laughs> the Rockport boat ramp. Oh, Lord. I, the things. If you need to get in touch with somebody from that boat ramp to have a podcast with you, because uh, you can make a series out of that place. As the boat ramp turns. And then the um, and Con Brown Harbor, it's another one. So I have a buddy of mine who does the T-shirts. I actually gave him and I'm going to give away a million dollar idea right here on the podcast. Somebody can run with it. T-shirts that have hashtag ramp life, because everything that could go wrong on the ramp should be represented the truck in the water the people in the water you know all kind of things the, that the go trailer wrong. sideways every day <laughs> jackknife every, every day so yeah hashtag ramp life um it's a real thing there you go now before chris got into that i was i was gonna ask my question i normally ask everybody now my first kayak was a ocean scrambler xt <laughs> So that was back in 2000, I can't remember if it was 2006 or 2007. That was my very first kayak, and I, I thought I was going to crappie fish out of it, actually, and it sucked for crappie fishing. But that's another story that we've talked about before. Dean, I want to know, what was your very first kayak, and how did you, what did you transition from, I thought and you how knew did this you already, transition Drew. to the kayak? I thought you knew this already. It's, it's a dugout. He carved with his own hands and a, and a stone. <laughs> and a stone. <laughs> OG palm tree. style. Palm oh, tree. Yes, palm tree, a dugout palm tree. Um, I don't know. I, I may have never even um, told this story in a, in a, a public setting. So way back in the day when I started my guide business, um, I was starving, hungry, hungry, hungry. There wasn't a whole lot of trips coming in. So um, I worked a lot of part-time jobs. One of my part-time jobs was at Chris's Marine, which is right here in Aransas Pass. It was actually Anchor Marine then. It wasn't even Chris's Marine yet. So I worked there and Anchor Marine had their home base in San Antonio and they were a kayak dealer for wilderness systems. There was no kayak shops in Texas. There was nothing. Um, Canoe sport was the only place yep. in Texas. So anchor Marine sent a couple of kayaks. They hung on the wall in Aransas pass. One of them was a ride. One of them was a tarpon 160. So for one of my paychecks, I traded for a kayak that was hanging on the wall. It was dark green tarpon 160 had the hatches on it was my first kayak shortly after that, because the ride was up there, the old pontoon style. It just looked super cool. Shortly after that, I treated a paycheck for that kayak. And I just, I had those two, um, and started exploring. I was doing trips out of my skiff, just like, 99% of the other guides around here. And I thought that's what I had to do to make money. And then I started kayak fishing 
and I started renting kayaks before I started guiding out of them. I went and ordered six more, put them on a trailer. There was no lighthouse <clears throat> lakes trails. None of those things even exist, existed. And I went and sat down on the side of the road with my kayak trailer with a big sign that said for rent. And I had people rolling up. I made little business cards. And that is exactly where it started. Hustler. Man, I, I, I think I probably passed you because I went to A&M Corpus Christi. And I went up and down that road. And I probably passed you because we used to wade right there by the bridge. We would come out and then wade right about where lighthouse lakes is like brown and root brown and root we would wade that area were you set up somewhere right in there with those kayaks that said rent me i was right where the lighthouse lakes trails park is now yeah seem a cement slab and there was always a road there because it was a bait camp back in the old days so you remember when crab man was still in operation yes sir the crab man so i made a living out of the crab man for like 10 years I launched there every morning and yeah, took hundreds, probably thousands of clients, kayak anglers onto those flats. Um, and it's amazing to see what it's evolved into today to think about sitting on my crazy little broken ass trailer out there wondering what the hell was I thinking? And to where um to where that road went it's been a crazy trip but um timing it was pure luck i mean it was something that i love to do but it was a time when kayaking was the fastest growing segment of a billion dollar industry the outdoor fishing business is billions of dollars and that is why it was inevitable that the marketing machine got a hold of kayak fishing and turned $700 kayaks into $5,000 kayaks. And that, you know, I've, I've watched that evolve over the years. I've been in meetings with manufacturers or just people that produce products and they have zero concern for your fishing experience. They just want to create a product because What's that they thing that's going to make them a dollar? Exactly. And I watched the marketing machine take over kayak fishing, you know, but that's, if there's money to be made, there's money to be made. And uh, Do you, do you believe it's still like that with most American-made kayaks that they, they, they're not worried about our, the fishability of the kayak or do you think that they are catering to a completely different audience now since kayak bass fishing is the driving factor with with the marketing and stuff because before you you weren't you weren't bass fishing off a tarpon 160 like you could but that wasn't ideal at all because that some bitch was tippy you're not bringing 40 rods with you exactly um yes the the bass fishing market is um, it's vast compared to the saltwater market. Bass fishing is billions of dollars, where the saltwater kayak fishing is probably millions of dollars. I, I don't, mean, it is. I don't know if I. I don't know it, if I'd there, say it, that. Sorry. <laughs> no, the, the bass fishing is just in every single state in the country. Bass people 
Uh, I mean, it's a huge part of the market. So, but, you know, as many of my friends will tell you, you know, as that conversation evolved the other day or devolved, However, <laughs> I don't think it's it started out just bad I, from the beginning. It was just yeah, the whole thing it, from the first it, comment down. But so, you know, there were some logic that was tried to be interjected in the middle. It didn't spread as contagiously as the um, alternative. But there were several people who chimed in with, you know, every place is specific to its needs. So the bass guys, of course, in the lakes, they have completely different needs. They obviously need a big lazy boy recliner or something that picks their feet up for, you know, I don't know why they need that. <laughs> but <laughs> so it is specific to your area, the gear on your boat, and it has evolved. And there are um, a lot of choices nowadays. And so, you know, be a good customer, you know, do research, buy what you need, you know, Try not to buy too many experiments because experiments are expensive. So it's, we've had a lot of a lot of big hitters in the bass world on this podcast, and they all said the same. They all say the same thing. They just need capacity for gear, more and more gear. Vertical uh, or horizontal rod stores. Horizontal, uh, horizontal rod, rod stores. Store. Yeah. That's all you hear from the bass guy. And so, I have a I have a pro angler. I, I I gotta say I have a PA. And I have a native ultimate, which is just plain old hybrid paddle. You're just paddling that thing. It's, it's yeah, a good paddle. Yeah, that's a classic. It's a classic for sure. I love both of them for totally different reasons. If I go bass fishing, I'm taking the PA 110% of the time. If I go somewhere where I'm fishing two, three foot of water or more, I take the PA. But if I want to get shallow and stalk redfish, I'm taking the native ultimate every single time because there there is a huge difference between paddling and pedaling and the different ways that you utilize the equipment that you have. Now, Dean, I want to ask, do you think that manufacturers – We've already seen it with Wieldy, like the tarpon's kind of gone. Do you think that manufacturers are ever going to go back to having at least one decent paddling kayak? Um, that's a good question, man. So I have tried to, um, I've tried to bring, I've had conversations um, with people that, could make that happen and there's um i don't get a lot of good feedback at this point in time so i don't know man um i, I don't know what it's gonna take um everything always comes back it always does um the the beauty of the long paddling machine you know that's efficient and you got a badass paddle that like weighs as much as air and you glide through the water just it's silent. It's, it's a quiet. whole. It's a, it's a different feeling. So I think um, if you experience it, you get it. If you know, teach his own man. Um, there's something out there for everybody. Some people are going to um, want that experience. Others are going to want um, the gear. So 
you can get the experience without the gear. You can get the experience on an inner tube if you want it. You know, it just depends on on how that goes. But an efficient paddling boat, um, I don't know if it'll ever come back. It's a good question. I've talked to my guys. You know, they phased out the 160 completely. The tarpon 140s and 120s and 100s, you know, those are, um, they're still around. There's a huge fan club for the tarpons. I mean, they're, it, I don't think it's ever going to go away totally, but, um, you know, I've tried to um, bring back that old school attitude. Um, but I don't know. It may be lost the time. Yeah, I love 16-foot boats. You know, there's always there's always room for a 16-foot boat in my with my kayak fleet. And the tarpon I've had, I know not as many as you have, um, but I think I'm on my fifth 160 right now. Um, and we've asked that question, that same question Drew asked you. We've asked that question to uh luther we asked it to jim we asked it to scott and i know we've asked it to somebody else and it wasn't just you know the size of the kayak you know will we ever get back to the long and sleek um you know style of kayaking but we've also asked the question do you think they'll ever bring saddles back because i can go all day long in a saddle versus a freaking lazy chair a lazy chair i can do about four to six hours and i'm dead Everybody says it's more comfortable. It's better for their back. I don't think they've ever been in a saddle before. Yeah, I mean, I move around a lot. No matter what I'm sitting in, if you promote You're moving around a lot doing this podcast right now. <laughs> You've been yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not just fishing. I Guys, I sometimes it. we don't even see anything but his armpit. <laughs> I got, I got old, old creaky-ass bones. Uh, <laughs> and I, if, I, if I don't move around, I'll be found here in the morning. <laughs> but sorry, sorry to interrupt. So you, you're moving around a lot, so you, you like the, the saddle type, you know, just a little back support and you're good to go. Uh, I mean, I like to sit sideways in my kayak. I like to hang my feet in the water. I like to move around a lot. My world is in very shallow water, you know, where you can usually stand up and walk around your kayak. That's a huge advantage, too. Um, so, I mean, that's another one. That's a personal preference. You get you get 10 guys and you get 10 opinions on that subject. Um, me, I just I do move around a lot. I promote, I tell people when they're out there, it's like the best way to describe it is promote circulation, move your feet. You know, you want to think about it as a marathon. You know, when you leave the bank, you want to start treating your body like, you know, this is going to last eight hours and you don't want to come crawling in when it's over. You know, you want to be able to stand up and get out. So, you know, moving around, no matter what kind of seat you're in, you know, I like to turn sideways and, you know, a lot of the new boats you have the ability to stand up in, you know, so that is also a comfort factor, you know, nothing that I ever paddle. And that's another thing, the standing in the kayaks, you know, it worked its way into the, um, the marketplace. Everybody comes in, you have kayaks you can stand in and I'm like, First of all, why would you want to do that? But if you have the PA, you know, you perform that move um, on the flats where we're at. It's just it's a different game. So uh, whether it's a high seat, lazy boy, 
or the other, you know, they both have their own characteristics. It's I hard think, to, uh, and, and just to preface this, Dean is fishing flats with a lot of clear water, clear water, so, sand bottom, South grass. Texas flats. And it's yeah. not a marsh. It's not anything like that. I mean, it is straight flats. It's grass that is one to two feet deep and crystal clear for miles and miles and miles. So stealth, low profile, you know, those things really are an advantage where I'm at. So you trade off, you know, some other things to, uh, to have that stealth. But if you're on a lake and you're fishing those hydrilla beds and you're moving around, you know, at that point, different strokes for different folks, different man. Folks. Yeah, and you're talking about, and this is a good like technical thing that we can talk about here, is when you're in that shallower, clearer water, sometimes it's more viable to be lower, not looking like a big bird, exactly. standing, in, standing in your kayak, casting a shadow and everything, where you're crab walking. So Exactly. And for, for those of you guys that don't know, a lot of these guys, they sit side saddle. So they're sitting sideways in their kayak. They got their feet hanging off. They are slowly working, and they're just using their feet to kind of pull themselves forward, and they are slowly working a whole area. So, Dean, Those of us you... fishing in muddy-ass waters in Galveston. Yeah, we're, we're, that shit. We're, not, we're not doing that. <laughs> but do you have any, you know, any tips, any you know, insight or anything that you can tell people you know, when you're fishing that crystal clear water and you are doing the crab walking, is there anything else like that you need to be doing to make sure that you are more productive while fishing those type of clear water areas? Um, you know, I tell people that to be very methodical, you want to hit every grass pocket, you know, every sand hole. The thing about the kayak, um, if you go too fast, especially down here, when we were talking about the wind earlier, you know, it's like I don't even know how to live in less than 15 mile an hour wind. So if you go screaming across a flat and you miss a lot of opportunity if, or if opportunity pass you by, you know, and you're just you're not going slow, you just earn a return trip. You just get to do it again. You just paddle back into the wind. So, you know, um, the best advice I give people in the kayak is to pay attention to every detail. Be very methodical. When I fish in the skiff, it's all about um, area, covering area. You know, if you aren't catching a fish right here, right now, bam, hit the key, run two, three, five miles, boom, beat it up. You don't have that option in the kayak. So um, every swirl Every wrinkle in the water should have a cast. Something should hit that spot. Um, and, yeah, putting your feet over the side, going nice and slow. Even when you're not seeing ripples or signs of life, you hit every sand hole. You fan that cast out, and then you pick your feet up. You move about the distance that you were casting. Stop it again, and then very methodical. Boom, boom, boom. As many casts. It takes to cover the area and then move again. So, and it's very repetitive. I mean, fishing is a very repetitive process, but it's just a way of um, covering all the bases, covering all the spots. So it's the middle of the summer right now. It's hotter than hell. 
you're you're crab walking across this flat. Let's say we're in what two foot of water with grass, crystal clear. What are maybe two or three options? What do you have tied on? Um, always the top water. And so in my area that we fish, that's so shallow, I fish with top waters a lot. Uh, and I mean a lot. People ask me, what time of day do we switch to something subsurface? The areas that I'm in, because they're super shallow and they're crystal clear, you're not drawing fish from the depths. A top water is in their face. All these flats that we fish on, they're covered with little minnows, little finger mullet, little things that are jumping and clicking and splashing on the surface. So it looks like exactly what they expect to see there. It gets a great reaction. Number one in the shallow, clear flats is always a small top water. A spook like a little junior. Spook Junior. Yeah. Spook Junior. And I take the treble hooks off and I put straight hooks on there. I modify them for the grass because we get a lot of floating grass. Um, number two is a soft plastic worm. Well, actually, number two and three are also soft plastic worms, but they're rigged quite differently. Um, a jig head with an exposed hook, like a 16th ounce jig head for a little bit deeper water or for it's sandy bottom is going to work great. I use a, um, a, a paddle tail or a willow tail rigged um, weedless on a, a, a hook where you hide the hook <clears throat> against the worm. And then that thing is going to swim subsurface, but it can touch the grass and it can come up and it will avoid those snags. So that grass well, y'all got is tough. If people walk in my shop every day and they're like, man, how the hell do you deal with the grass out there? I'm like, you deal with it or you find a new hobby because it's part of the lifestyle out there. <laughs> um, so the top water, it really is about avoiding the grass. It's above the grass and it gets a great reaction. The willow tail rigged weedless, you know, subsurface, it's really um, badass too. I mean, it gets a great hookup ratio Top water is a great fish finder. You're going to get a lot of hits and follows that aren't necessarily going to bite, but you're going to know what's down there. Um, the willow tail gets hit. I mean, it's just something about that worm hanging on their face is more likely to get bit. And then the the um, the jig head, you know, in deeper water or off the drop off, classic, you know. Um, dark colored plum with a chartreuse tail, something like that. Um, always a classic in four to six feet of water. So are you, are you getting into the area, throwing the top water, finding some activity and then switching over to the, uh, to the weedless and, and then really trying to pound them then? I mean, is um, that like your yeah. normal tactic? Yeah. No, I mean, that's not not like normal, but we, it, it is a tactic. It does come up in conversation. If you repeatedly get them blow up on top and they just won't take it. But I sit there with a soft plastic like on standby. So if they're blowing up on the top, top and they just won't hit it, I just stop. Let the lure sit there. You know the fish is underneath it. Oh, and shake you, and bake. You don't, it's, the, uh, it's the double whammy. It's like, you see that? You see that? Whoops. Didn't see that one. So, um, yeah, we put the switcheroo on them. So that catches a lot of fish. Um, and I love to do that to my buddies. You know, you just sit there and you let them beat their arms up for an hour and they get a blow up and you steal their fish. 
and just then throw, yeah. throw right behind him. Throw right behind him. All right, thanks, yes. thanks for finding the fish for me. Exactly. Dean, I've I've heard you use the term plastic worm not only on this podcast today, but in many other times. You know, other podcasts. Um, uh, just typing it out on the internet. You know, plastic worm. Um, I would hazard a guess you're not really talking about worms. That is a generic term that refers to soft plastic. Any soft plastic at all. Any soft okay. plastic. But and what soft plastic is your favorite that you've got tied on most of the time? The one that I use every day is the um, K-Wigglers, the ball tail shad with the Mansfield margarita, which is like a dark... It's like black with some silver flake and a chartreuse tail. Um, so it's basically a dark body with a chartreuse, a bright tail. But I fish with the plum with chartreuse. There's a purple with a white tail. So the ball tail shad, very interesting little worm. And yes, um, I was raised up saying, you know, worms. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. And 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 people think of worms, you know, like a fire tail or something for the bass. But I'm thinking um, like jelly worms. Whether it's a rat twelve tail, inch jelly worms. ball tail, paddle tail, willow tail. I'm sure I'm forgetting another one. Um, and they're they all will perform similar. Um, so the the ball tail shad has um a straight tail and it's somewhat rigid it's not too um it's not too floppy so it doesn't put a lot of vibration in the water like a paddle tail but the water that i fish in is crystal clear the fish always see what they're chasing the ball tail we have tons of sand eels in our flats i mean i clean fish all the time and it looks like a little white snake you know maybe six inches long and when they're in the grass their little tail is just up in the air. And so that paddle tail really does resemble um, a sand eel in the grass. Um, I mean, it looks very much like what they're eating. So, you know, as long as it represents it, it looks like it, it acts like it, you know, when they're in the mood, it, it gets eaten pretty good. I know. I can it, see you know, reflections of Kay Wigglers in, in Drew's face right now. He's I'm, he's actually I'm, Googling. I am looking at the ball <laughs> tail and the willow tail right now, and I was about to ask, you know, throw me – because I'm going to be in Ingleside. I'm going to be down there next weekend, and I'm going to be, you know, fishing your area. Where where can I go pick up some, some Kay Wigglers around you? Like, give a shout-out to a local place. Um. Tackle Town in Rockport always has uh, everything you need. If you're closer to Corpus Christi, it's going to be Roy's um, Academy in Portland. Or if you make it by my shop, man, I got the pro pack for you. If you get over here to me, I got you covered. Uh, you don't have to say anymore. I will be at the shop. Like I said, I'll be in Ingleside next weekend, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. After, yeah. after if we get off here, Ingles- I want to show you some maps so you can, so you can give me some info here, man. <laughs> yeah, if you make it to Ingleside, uh, you can skip a rock to my shop from there. Oh, we yeah. def- I'll definitely set you up, man, with with what you need. I've never fished the uh, the ball tail or or the willow. So I would be, you know, very interested to learn some more about those because I don't think I've ever heard anyone say um, on our podcast that the little 
you know, they're feeding on the little sand eels and stuff. Like, and so we, we so never talked what, about that. Here's what here's what happened today. So I had um, some guys on the boat, and we were throwing top waters, and we caught two early, and then it just got slow, and we were and there wasn't much wind blowing, and one of the guys, he was just a fan of a gold spoon he was telling me how he's fished in port mansfield and it just gold spoon is his thing and you know if you have something that's your confidence lure and you just love it and so he was asking he's like you got any gold spoons on the boat and i was like nah i said not today i sure don't i said but i have something that will simulate what a gold spoon does and i rigged him up the willow tail it was the plum with the chartreuse tail and i put it on a nice little weedless hook and I mean, within six or eight casts, bam, redfish um, was hooked up. And then, of course, the other dude on the boat, he's like, hey, man, hook me up with one of them willow tails. And <laughs> from there on, you know, we went subsurface on much deeper grass beds. And during the slack tide and slack wind in the heat of the morning, we still managed a couple more fish, which I was as surprised as anybody because for like the last two weeks with the amount of heat that we've had in the middle of the day with a slack tide, man, those fish have just been laid up. But switching tactics, getting down there, it actually produced a couple of lazy fish to uh, get foolish. Now, you've talked about you've been doing this for how long? How long have you been guiding? I've been guiding. I've been in business right here in my shop for 19 years. I've been open in this building for 19 years. I was guiding for a couple of years before that when I still had another job. But as the years have gone by, I kind of quit counting that part-time stuff. Because whenever I went, you know, 100% full-time, the emphasis really changed on um, – on guiding so so you've been down there for 20 years say oh yeah yeah I'm, how, I'm, how how did when did it when did you feel like you know what i got this figured out like how, how long into your guiding career did it take before you were like all right i got i got this i i am confident fully confident in my abilities that was about um, two weeks ago, I just, <laughs> I knew, I knew that was going to come. It was either, I, I just, never figured it out or, or just, something like that. I just hit my stride last week. <laughs> I think I, I think I figured this out. Um, so I, t I tell people all the time, you know, that if I wanted consistency, I would have had an indoor job. Um, that right. and then I tell people every day I said, you get up. And I have this grand plan in my head when I'm in this office of where I think I'm going to go fishing when I'm getting my boat ready and looking at the weather and analyzing those things. And I get to the end of the pier and that plan goes out the window. And so I tell people the way I describe it is I said, you come out here and you figure it out every day. So um, it is still fun to try to figure it out, but um, I still learn every day had some other people ask me i was telling them how long i've been gotten dude looks at me he goes how come you're not grouchy like everybody else and i said that's <laughs> funny i was like nobody's ever asked me that question before and i thought about it for a minute and i was like 
I said, you know, I said, I, I was grouchy a couple of years ago. I said, but I'm, I'm back again. I said, I'm okay. So um, I think that changes, you know, I have, there's days that I think I'm the biggest fishing genius that ever lived. And I walk out the door like, man, this is too freaking easy. And you get your ass handed to you by the fish, you know. So the fish are never going to care who I think I am or what I think I know. They have a way of humbling the most egotistical fishermen out there. Um, so I do. I still learn. And I swear to this day, um, I, I never will sit back and say that I got this. I, I don't think it's that kind of a job. I just I don't think that there is an end to it. So, so to pull this all the way back to the beginning in the Facebook talk, the, the reason I, I asked that question is to let some of the listeners know, don't get discouraged when you go out and, you know, you have a guy who is a 20-year vet that's guiding, who's on the water a hell of a lot longer than we are, and he's telling you, I still have to figure it out every day. So the normal guys out there that only get to go fishing once a month and they're like, damn, I can't figure this out. I, you know, I got skunked three trips in a row. Don't get discouraged because every time you go out, you're going to have to figure it out. Now, Law's Averages says that the more you go out, the more often you'll figure it out. But if you're just a weekend warrior like a lot of us guys... Man, don't don't worry about. It. Enjoy your time on the water. Don't get caught up in your ego catching fish because even even the guys that 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 do it every day have trouble catching fish sometimes. Nobody advertises the tough days, man. You never hear, you never see pictures of those days on the internet. Don't we call those skunk sets? Yeah, yeah skunk nobody, set photos. Nobody uh, wants to talk about that right now. <laughs> We we've we've talked about our struggles a little bit, but I, I've got I feel like my next trip's gonna be a good trip because I'm gonna go head down the uh, TKF World Headquarters, aka the Slow Ride Slow Ride Shop, and I'm gonna get me some K Wigglers and I'm gonna tear it up at Aransas Pass next weekend. I, I'm excited <laughs> about that now. I'm excited. <laughs> Now everybody knows the secret. <laughs> the, the, K, K Wiggler stock guys buy K Wiggler stock. The, the Pallers. I'm surprised. Is, is I'm surprised. Shoot that, that. Shoot that up. I'm surprised that Dean didn't say, "Hey man, on your way down, just stop at FTU, grab you a couple packages." And yeah, I mean, for the guys in Houston, of course, man. Um, FTU has everything. The um, if you come, they got Houston, a lot of Columbia hats. Yeah, if you come fish with me, um, I have actually um, coupons for um, 25% off green rods. With, uh, you come down fish a day, you take the card back to the store, and 25% uh, off, which is a hell of a discount on badass rods. So We definitely um, want to know a lot more about your service and where people can find you and stuff like that. But there was one thing that um, – when we started talking about having Dean on, I said, I want to talk to Dean about this one specific thing because I did some research. Um, and I'll tell you where, where the research started and how, why I wanted to start asking you about this. A few years back, um, I found out about a kayak launch that was created specifically for a specific season in a, in a specific area. 
And as I started doing more research about that area, and believe me, I'm not going to give it out on this podcast because I do not want a bunch of, as Drew likes to say, fuckery going down in this place. <laughs> that is the new word. It's, it's yeah. it, mullet doing mullet things, mullet things is, is and... the show saying, and, and, and fuckery is the show word. <laughs> so, but whenever I was researching this spot, man, all of a sudden I started seeing all these publications about Flatsworthy. And along with, with those publications, I started seeing like um, meeting minutes and and I could read those meeting minutes and I could see that, oh, Dean Thomas was attending these meetings. So I was like, you know what? I bet you this would be a really good question to ask. What is Flatsworthy? Could you give our listeners uh, an idea of what Flatsworthy is doing out there and how it impacts kayak anglers along the entire Texas coast and maybe even beyond the Texas coast. Okay. Yeah. Flatsworthy, an awesome group um, started by my good friend, Chuck Neiser in Rockport. Um, it is a conservation, um, ecological based um, organization that promotes um, um, good, um, hard to describe, but it's um, we promote um, mutual um, respect for diverse anglers. So we're trying to avoid conflicts or deal with, um, try to um, educate people on how to avoid conflicts on the water because we have kayakers that are intermingled with boat traffic. We have airboats that are intermingled with um, other boats, polling skiffs that are generally um, related to fly fishermen. And then you have tunnel holes and things that run in the flat scooter boats. So all these people are uh, kind of a, uh, um, infringing on their area or they feel like they're infringing on it. So Flatsworthy is a group that was organized between myself, Chuck Neiser, uh, the Nestaloni guys, some airport dudes and over towards Rockport and just some of the guys that were about to uh, throw down out there on the flats every day. They were getting really frustrated with behavior. So without legislation, we tried to develop some guidelines and make them public, which is just, you know, don't burn the flats, avoid people, give space, some really simple recommendations. That's where it started. So as we grew, as we spread the word, uh, we had a lot of people that came on board with us and supported our cause. So since then, we have grown into a chapter that's active in Houston, Galveston area. We have a chapter that recently opened um, down in South Padre, a South Texas chapter. And we have had such notable projects as donating a boat. We raised enough money to buy a boat to donate to the game wardens. Um, a curlew. That a little, was a badass boat. Yep, an ultra shallow boat. We worked with the manufacturer and those guys, and we got them a boat so they could patrol areas that they were never reaching before. Um, that was an incredible cause. Um, we had the um, one that I really enjoy that we did recently is the 4H. It was the Coastal Bend 4H, so it's the kids' group um, sport fishing day. So they had. Um, at Rockport at the pavilion, they had 60 something kids sign up. And so for a portion of the day, 
they went to an area and they got to kayak. And so once that was done, they went to another area and they got to fish. They had rods and reels. They had volunteers out there doing that. Then they had some classroom stuff that they did. Chuck Nizer was there talking to them about other issues. But so we organized this entire day to expose um, these 4-H kids to a lot of fishing activities. The section that I did was I took them all kayaking. So we'd have a group of 15 come and jump in kayaks and we had an hour to uh, paddle around the little bay area man i mean the, the, it goes on we have tons of uh, marsh restoration projects where we have kids go out they put the oysters back in the water so more oysters will grow on that we've planted some some plants and grass around the bay over there um and just lots of different conservation efforts along the way We've had some really great people join up. It has grown exponentially over the last five years. And um, yeah, really proud of what everybody has done. Uh, it, it's, been, it's been fun to watch. It's been really an inspiration to be a part of it with these guys. You know, their only motivation is to create a better environment for everybody to enjoy out there. We don't, don't want get to run in that very often. Yeah, we don't want game wardens. You know, we don't want the the local police to be out there telling us how to behave. So, you know, we're trying to um, have a driving force to create that. Um, it's a tough battle, though, man. It's uh, here's here's so the thing, man, <laughs> is that self governance is honestly out the window. It does not exist. Just look at uh, how many people don't even put their damn shopping carts back. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we're coming back from that either, but it's just the nature of the beast. So some of us were out there um, trying to uh, be a driving force, create a little awareness of the dangers and, you know, avoiding conflict. And then we get involved in some great um, conservation um, ideas. It's fun, man. We go to the meetings, you know, we have all these people that just, they kick around these great ideas of how to help people, how to be creative, you know, what should be our next project be. And it's just, um, I just enjoy it. love it. The trip with the kids was really crazy. Um, we had a great write up on the front page of the paper that had photos of all the kids out kayaking. So we got some good publicity off of it. And, um, the more people we get knowing about us, you know, that it, it does help spread the word. So thank you very much for that. I, I definitely liked reading a lot about uh, what Flatsworthy was doing and in, in, in or being specific. Um, I did not realize how many people create their own waterways between lakes. I didn't know that that was a thing. And, uh, and I, I often thought, damn, that waterway looks awfully straight. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and hopefully a lot of that that was taking place in the uh, Ranzas Wildlife Refuge is coming to an end. <clears throat> Some of those behaviors just got overlooked. I mean, it's hard to explain um, how that was allowed to take place. No, no, it wasn't airboats, man. man it was it, boats it, like RFLs and tunnel holes. Yeah, um, I mean, w once the canals were etched and, and the tide came in on really high tide days, uh, they just became paths that were used. But 
um, just like anything else, it's an age of awareness that it was kind of overlooked for a long time. Um, there's, we had a big deal, you know, <clears throat> we put a lot of signage up the places where those areas where they were using them, we stacked, um, sandbags, bags of oysters and actually blocked those cuts and there's plants growing back in them now. So nature is taking its course and putting it back together, but it's just one of the many causes that has come up along the way. And, you know, we try to provide a remedy without um, too much of the, um, the drama, too much of the soap opera. I'm not going to lie. I, I had to make a phone call and ask if their signs that they were putting up actually meant that a kayak could not move through that area. And they, the, the answer that I got was that, yes, the kayak can move through that area if that area is still open. If it's been blocked off, you do not do not try hmm. it. Um, <clears throat> but Drew, you know how we like to say mullet doing mullet things? In this instance, it's jackasses doing jackass things. And so there's specific rules for the refuge. And so if you're in the boundaries of the refuge, then yes. But outside that, you know, then you can crawl over any mud hole you want to. But yeah, there was a process of going with the Aransas Wildlife Refuge and finding like their original paperwork that dictated some of the rules that kind of were forgotten. Um, and that was just, you know, a small side note to one of the projects that we did over the years. Um, it's really grown. A lot of the excitement now is the new chapter that's forming down in South Padre. Um, some really motivated people um, coming together and um, it's going to be a good group. Now, Slow Ride, we, we've talked about a whole lot during this show. Um, but if somebody wants to book a trip with you, they want to crab walk through the flats with you. They want to learn how to throw that top water. How do they go about doing that? Where can they find your information? Throw out a phone number. Throw out a website. Throw out everything for <clears throat> our listeners. I'm still, I mean, we mentioned I'm the old guy, so I still uh, answer the phone here at the shop, <laughs> um, which is 361-226-4711. That's um, a landline? That's unbelievably, that's cable, you know, I don't know. That's pretty advanced, right? It's a, <laughs> it comes from, it comes from space, man. <laughs> Is the answer, do you have to change out the tapes in the answering machine? Nah, <laughs> or is it digital? You just push the button. It still works. <laughs> it works like that. But yes, you can call me and then um, you can email through my website, which is slowrideguide.com has a button there and you can look at the website we have lodging you can see pictures from all my trips and stuff we do then we have facebook you can message me on facebook i keep up with that pretty regular um i do post a lot of pictures on instagram but messaging over there is not um as good you know pick up the phone call me we discuss dates you know we can talk details about trips you know if you have questions i find the phone to be a lot easier when people call me and interrogate me over the phone i know that they had a guided trip once upon a time that you know maybe wasn't as pleasant so when they call me and they ask a lot of questions i know that they want to get what they want out of their day so yeah um, call me up i love to talk about it 
explain what we do and uh, help everybody plan their trip. Now you do kayaks, you do skiff, you do eco tours. Is that it? Like what, what services I do? do what, we do wade fishing trips. We've been wading a lot the last couple of weeks because it's been so hot. It's nice to step out of the boat and walk a little bit. So we do that. Um, I do a lot of drifting in the boat, you know, um, sight casting from the skiff, um, kayak trips, do eco tours, um, just sightseeing trips for people who want to paddle, um, that don't necessarily want to fish. So, um, and we can arrange all those things over the years. Um, I have quite a diverse, um, arsenal here, so we can put together just about anything. Um, somebody can come up with the classroom stuff. The classroom kind of faded away. It was great for many years. Um, but I just stick to the guiding now. Um, I just, you know, spend most of my days on the water. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. Out of all the things that you listed, taking the kayak out, doing the eco tour, sight casting from the skiff, what, what's your favorite? After all these years, what is your favorite? You, you can only go fishing or doing one thing. What's it going to be? Well, it's you see that because the answer to that question is I like to do what is best for the conditions that day. If I have no wind, I'm in the kayak. That's no doubt. If the conditions are there for kayaking, I choose kayak. But if you they turn against you, then the boat is the best way to attack that. But with all things being normal and equal for my own like pleasure, for my own for fun fishing trips it's going to be kayak style, but I'm not going to go out there and get a beat down because, you know, the conditions are less than adequate that day. So I guess that's another one, you know, over the years, um, I don't accept beat downs as well as I used to. <laughs> Those bones creaking, they last a little bit longer. <laughs> oh, huh? Lord, man. The, the creaking and soreness lasts more than a day. Yeah. Y'all yeah, better get to him now because, uh, in a couple of years he might be, uh, <coughs> calling in yeah. sick on some days. She, I mean, the cool thing about where I fish here is we have a lot of opportunity. I mean, there is, if you want a kayak, no matter what direction the wind is blowing or what the tide is doing, there's always going to be some place to get in and do that. If you want to drift, cover areas, I mean, it's incredible. That is endless. That is vast every day. And wade fishing, I mean, it, we have the most incredible scenery you know, looking out to the east, it's completely undisturbed, wide open horizon. It's some of the most incredible places to actually go to try to catch a fish. The scenery, I'm just in awe every single morning when I watch the sun come up of how fortunate I am to be there watching that. The fish are going to do what they're going to do. You have no control over that. The fish can make or break you, but just being out there it is the payoff without a doubt. Man, Chris, you got anything else you want to talk about today? Oh, dude, there's, uh, you know, I'm never at a loss for words. I can continue talking all day, all night. Man, I say um, we do this again sometime, guys. It's awesome coming on and visiting um, what and we need catching to do up is on a, that. And Drew and I have talked about it. We have a mobile studio as well. And what we've talked about doing is getting some of you guys together. And I'm not just talking about some of you guys. I'd really like to have all of you guys. And when I mean all of you guys, I mean a lot of you guys and mostly all of you guys. No, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And Um, then doing 
We're doing not only uh, a podcast, but a live version and also um, sort of a show and tell out on the water type thing. So um, that's coming up. You know, one of these days we'll get everybody together to do that. Now we need to put that together, man. It would be awesome to have you guys um, over here at my place, um, have some others come in and uh, we can all sit and tell stories about Scott and Ha, he's told about, plenty about you. Uh, yeah, he, he's told a few about uh, you on the show. Uh, he's told a few about you. Well, Dean, don't go anywhere whenever I hit uh, end broadcast and we quit recording here because I got Google Earth already pulled up. I got a couple questions about about my trip coming up this weekend or next weekend that I already want to ask you about. Awesome. But, guys, if you want to head down to – Corpus area, Port Aransas, Rockport, any of that, you want to learn more about the area, you know, look up Dean Thomas, Slow Ride, uh, book a trip down there. That's the best and fastest, most reliable way to learn an area is fish with someone who has been fishing it for a very, very, very long time. And one of of the old G's and, and, and you can tell from our conversation that it's going to be a fun trip. You might you might get some stories. Um, there's probably there's probably a lot more that goes into the fishing trip than just catching fish with Mister Thomas. You never know how the day's going to go, man. <laughs> you never know. All right, guys. So for Drew and Chris, Dean, thanks again for coming on. We are out of here. See ya. Peace. Late.